We are here with Kyle Bundy Gunther from, yeah, right, from the ultra popular Detroit heavy metal band Battle Cross. And so let's, let, let's, let's, okay, let's get back into this. So not with fucking Metal Blade, which is totally a bummer. And of course, these days, you know, I, I, I talked about back, back in our day, in our younger days, man, and things were just different, you know, and I could keep up with my news, you know, by reading magazines and stuff like that. And, and nowadays with the internet, you, you don't know what's, what's real and what's clickbait trash half the time. So I, I hadn't heard. And to be honest with you, What's the story on? I mean, I'm pretty sure I have all your albums. How many do you? How many um, do you have? Like starting with the the um, uh, Pursuit of Honor. Three, just okay. three. They did. Uh, they did. Uh, they did. Well, funny part. They released Pursuit of Honor without me because I'm I'm the replacement guy. Uh, so what they did was they released it on their own and then Metal Blade was like, well, we'll sign you. What do you got? And they're like, well, we'll just re-record this with this guy. And they're like, all right, fine. Let's see. So we did it and they were like, all right, that's good enough. Push it. So, uh, then we did, uh, uh, Rise to, or, uh, oh my God. <laughs> Right, right, uh, yeah, Rise to Power, the one that, that looks like uh, Kratos from, from the God of War on the cover. War of Will. Yep, Rise to Power and War of Will. So we did those on Metal Blade, and we, you know, we did all those also rushed. Like, the next one, they were like, all right, well, Mayhem's calling, and they want, you know, you guys, and you need an album. Well, we're like, well, it's like eight months out. They're like, all right, you need to do it in fucking six. So we, wow. we did an album. Six months almost, and it was it was killer. And then we released that one on Mayhem. We got all that shit. And then the next one. Oh no! Uh, yeah, the actually it was the Machine Head canceled the tour, and we had everything set up. You know, everything was boom, 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 boom. They were like, "All right, well, Machine Head canceled that tour. You guys got to do something. Get in the studio right now, album right now." So we're like, all right, instead of going on tour and, you know, doing the tour cycle, they were like, get ready for the next one because, we'll, you know, you got more momentum. So just get this one ready. So we wrote that one in a rush. And I can't remember what the fuck happened on this last one, but they were like, all right, you need to make it up right now. And we're like, well, we're not ready. So like, just do it. And we're like, fuck it. You ain't going to tell us to work. We'll work our ass off. So we got that done. And now it was like, all right, you're off the label you've got no more restrictions. You, you're, you're your own boss. It's all on you. It's your fucking life. We're like, all right, well, we're going to take some time off and live. That's where we're at right now. Living. L-I-V-I-N. Wow. Wow. So going back to the second one, War of Will or War of, is it Will's plural? War. I remember, I remember you distinctly, you know, on social media saying something about like, you know, yeah, I'm on, you know, crunch time about, you know, writing lyrics or something like that. And I've never been in that spot before. And I know how hard it is to write good lyrics. Um, yeah. because God knows I've written plenty of shitty ones that didn't, you know, <laughs> didn't make the cut or unfortunately maybe they did. <laughs> Cause <Yeah>. that's all. <laughs> yeah. Right. And you look back at those shit. I got to sing that again. Yeah. Or yeah, sometimes you want to change it, you know, but I, I go, 
I go, wow, this is gonna be interesting. This is gonna be interesting to see what this this band, this up and coming prospect band, is going to be able to do. And I was impressed. I'm not gonna lie. Like when 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 you came out with the second album, I'm like, damn, for writing lyrics like under the under the gun, it was damn good. The whole album is damn good. So I didn't know that. I didn't realize that there was, you know, kind of so oh, much. Oh no, for both of them standing in front of the microphone. <laughs> wow. Uh, that's good. What do you what do you right. normally what is your method? I mean, do you typically write on, on a regular basis and just sort of keep a journal of stuff that you write and then try to incorporate it later? Do you base it off of the riff after you hear it? Well, yeah, it's all it's all things, you know. Just you know, you're always gonna like, ooh, that one line was sick, or ooh, you know, you're going to sleep. Actually, dude, the golden hour is right when you're falling asleep. You, you know, when your mind's going through the day and you just boom you just hit with that fucking line you're just like i gotta get up and write this down because you're like oh no i'll remember it tomorrow and you wake up and you're like what the fuck did i just say yeah so you'll you know? lose it but like that that golden hour right before you you know you're tired and your mind's winding down and you know all your synapses you know try i got adhd so it's like everything's firing and you're just like oh boom writing it down so i always you know kept my yeah i'm good uh, but, uh, you know, it's just, uh, trying to think about what you're doing during the day and then boom, it just comes to you at night. That's the golden hour for me. Yeah. You know, you're absolutely right. I've had tons of great ideas for songs, uh, but especially for movies. Cause that's something that's kind of something that I do behind the scenes. I haven't finished any scripts yet, but I have several that I'm working on. And, and yeah, sometimes I've come up with some crazy fucking ideas right in that, in between sleep and awake state, which is like a hypnotic kind of a state where I just mm -hmm. like, and you do, you're absolutely right. You had, because there's been so many times and I'm sure you've done this too. You come up with like some fucking badass lyric and you know, yeah. it's good. And then you fucking don't write it down. You're like, I'll remember it. And then you can't fucking remember it. It's gone forever. It is. Yep. Or then when you write it down and you wake up the next morning, you're like, was I on drugs last night? <laughs> <laughs> like that that doesn't even make sense yeah I right thought that, i thought yeah. i was gonna make an emmy for that shit right because because you think it's good but then you forget the riff that was kind of in your head that made it make sense yeah. and so you're like god this fucking sucks like why did i think this was good i know what this, i know what you mean yep but no and we usually uh I, I they don't let me do shit for anything musically sometimes they'll be like hey why don't you do this and like they will literally say, hey, Gumby, why don't you shut up? Like, All right. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> it's like, go over there and watch TV for a minute. God, you know, and, and if, you, if you look around my studio, like I have, I have several guitars. I have, uh, I have three and I have a bass. Cause I, I play a little bit, but I basically learned um, playing Misfit stuff, playing like Black Sabbath, which is basically just power chords, or as I like to call yeah. it, three chords and the truth. You know, that's all you really need. And so I started my original, my very first band that I did like gigged with and everything like that's how we started was kind of like in the garage doing punk rock covers and we started writing our own stuff. And by the time we did shows, it was kind of like half and half, you know, like original stuff, which was, which I've told Heron before. I was like, we, we were like a, a bad super joint ripoff. <laughs> You know, and, yeah. and, and then we yep. would throw a couple of misfits, black flag, bad religion covers in there with it. 
Um, but that's about the extent of my musicianship. And speaking of a guy like Haran, your, your guitar player, one of your guitar players, I mean, just absolutely shreds, masterful. And I, I've been in bands with extremely good musicians. And yeah, I, I kind of feel the same way as a singer where like I have these ideas, riff ideas, but like when it, when those guys get in there and they start collaborating together, they're just like, they want no part of the fucking singer giving Nothing. any input, <laughs> you know? Even if, if you take these two off, my rhythm would be fine. And I, they're like, shut the, sh- shut up. Like, and, <laughs> okay, so, <laughs> so, and then you just like wait and like hope you can get like the producer to be like, Hey man, will you cut that bar off? Will you just cut that off right there. <laughs> that always helps. That always helps you get a little bit of leverage. Well, you know, just real quick before I lose the thought, you know, you were mentioning about being with metal blade and making the albums and stuff. And, and now how you're kind of in this holding pattern, because as we talked about before, it's it's damn near impossible to to make money unless you're touring these days, you know, because of the record industry. Which, when you and I were younger and this was our dream, you could never imagine that that's what it would become. Um, yeah. The situation we're in now, and and I, I still, I never ever, and I, I guess people, a lot of people probably think I'm a Boy Scout, but I never ever illegally download anything, anything at all, whether it's a movie or anything. Don't get me wrong, I mean. In the early days, I kind of felt like, well, if somebody burns a CD for me, that's kind of like we used to dub tapes back in the day, so what's the difference? But you get these people who have, like, just fucking hours and hours of days yeah. worth of music on their iTunes that they downloaded illegally, and it's like, all right, man, now you're talking about, like, a whole record store worth of inventory, which back in the day, if you'd have stolen all that, they'd have thrown your ass in jail. But it's not quite so simple. But, but, but I... So my point is, I understand how hard it is because, like, on our album with Bear Witness, we opened up for you guys on your first tour, and we were working on an album at the time. Uh, you know, Rustin from um, uh, Tomcats gave us so many awesome opportunities to to play with great bands that came through there, such as Battlecross and other bands. And uh, you know, and we worked really, really hard. We had a producer, uh, Thomas Daniel, who's who's got his own career actually. Uh, as a, as a rapper uh, called Rapport, he's doing great things right now by on his own. But I mean, he fucking funded this shit. This co- it cost a lot of money to make our album. We used Sterling Winfield um, of Pantera fame. He, he you know he engineered uh, many uh, pa- a couple Pantera records, many uh, Hell Yeah records, and many other great records. He's worked with Hatebreed. He's worked with BB Fucking King for God's sakes. Damn. Seven Dust. You name it. But guess what? As you know, that shit ain't cheap. <laughs> we, and we paid a lot of money. So it's like, what, what, I mean, what does Battlecross do? Because I know if you're not on the road, on the road is where you make the money. And when you talk about, like, I remember, like, the big opportunity with Machine Head, you know, falling through because they decided, well, you know what? We're going to continue working on our album, which I get. Yep. And that album, Bloodstone and Diamonds, is fucking phenomenal. But... It's just kind of like, oh, it's so rough, man, that they, they, they would put me through that. Because it affected your band as well as probably other bands that were on the tour. Oh, yeah, Children of Bodom and Epica. Children of Bodom had half their fucking guys in the fucking in the country. All their visas paid for, everything paid for. Shit, shit. It was crazy. Like, we were kind of co-managed by their manager at the time, and I just heard some of the shit that they were fucking out on, and I was like, damn you lost how much it was nuts wow man it's, but yeah 
it's so similar to you know I cover MMA you know religiously and I yep. follow the sport religiously. Well, I want to get into that with you too. Uh, oh yeah, we're, we're gonna get. Oh yeah, that you're first. damn right. You're yeah. damn right. We're gonna get yeah. into that. Uh, yeah. So yeah, I just wanted to pick your brain about a couple more things, but yeah, we'll definitely get into MMA. But I was gonna say though, it's in the music business. I mean, w- like what you're telling me, it sounds very similar mm-hmm. to what you hear some fighters go through. For example, like if they go, especially if they travel overseas, and then their opponent drops out of the fight for whatever reason, because because the opponent pops hot for steroids, or they yep. fail to make weight, or they get injured, and like sometimes these guys will get compensated a little mm-hmm. bit. But, I mean, first of all, yeah. it doesn't really cover much. And second of all, sometimes they just get told to go fuck themselves, which is so harsh, man. Yeah. I get it. Like, in these businesses, it's you eat what you kill. That's kind of how it works. You fuck know? yeah. But you got I mean, to be set up for success, man. It's like I was talking to a fighter yesterday in the gym, and he was saying how, like, he had a fight fall through and then his management was like, well, look, you need to go out and pound the pavement and you need to get sponsors and you need to do this. And his, he was like, whoa, hold on. I'm a fucking fighter. My job is to be in the gym, busting my ass and get ready to go out there and fucking fight. Like if I have to go do that shit, what do I need you for? Exactly. What the fuck do I need you for? I, I've enjoyed battle cross, uh, and your, your attitude and your, um, your business model, because I, I said this a lot. I said this back in like that, that, band I was telling you about that I was in, uh, in 2005, um, when I first, first started doing music, you know, I was like, if you look at Zach Wild, Zach Wild is a fucking fantastic guitar player and Black Label Society is an awesome band. Not one of the greatest bands of all time though, just because you have one of the greatest guitar players of all time doesn't mean you're going to make the, you know, the best music, but yep. He was a fucking genius because Black Label Society is more than a band. It's almost a clothing line. He has oh, so many goddamn yeah. different shirts and and they different all this merchandise and people out. and people go nuts for it, right? And then I saw that Battlecross was doing that. You were killing social media and you were doing all these things like you know, you, like you had the fucking the weed pipe, you know, that was called the battle glass, and then you had the fucking. You know, the, the, the shot glass and the, you know, all this stuff. And it's like, that's what you have to do. You got to think outside the box and, and branch out. But right now, kind of like what, what's, what's the next, I mean, what can you do, man, besides just go out there and tour? Uh, start, uh, taking your clothes off for Patreon. <laughs> Damn. That's about it, bro. No, I mean, seriously though. Well, I mean, what is, what, what, what is going on? I mean, are you, is it an indefinite hold? Um, is is the band going to get back to you? Certainly not broken up, I would assume. I know you're doing yeah. some festivals and things like that. Yeah, we're, we're showing out, doing stuff. But as far as putting our lives on the line to, you know, pause it and then go out and tour, it's just not economically feasible. We're all 35 years old, like, trying to pay bills and acquiring debt. And, you know, I got fucking child support, bro. Yeah, so that's a, they'll put you in jail quick for that shit. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, what's up? Oh no, you got this warrant out for you. I'm like, oh no, I don't. They're like, yeah, you do. Damn, it's it's no joke. But uh, you know, you just gotta keep keep working. We want to play shows. We want to record another album. But nobody's in a rush because I mean, we've all been fucked hard by the music industry with no lube and you know, not looking to get another piece of it. Damn, yeah, it's 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 fucking ruthless, man. It's absolutely it's it's crazy. 
Billy Corgan uh, was on Howard Stern this morning, and uh, I was I was checking that out. I was dropping the kids off, and then I had to go to work, and it was badass. But just hearing him talk about his early days, I mean, think about how successful Smashing Pumpkins. Is. Oh yeah. But like in the early days, man, he was talking about you know, you know, just getting just fucked over and lied to and deceived by all these assholes in, in the record business. And, and the shitty thing about it is, man, is like these people are not artists. They are fucking no. businessmen. They are snakes in suits. They snakes. don't fucking know shit about making art. They don't know shit about what's good other than what their fucking graphs and charts are telling them. So yep. in, in a way, in a sense, it's like, you know, it's like a band will get a push, but that doesn't necessarily mean that, it, that it'll, it'll click, with, it'll resonate with the audience. But then another band might not get any push at all that, des- that deserves the fucking push, you know? Yeah. There's so many underrated, I mean, there's so many, excuse me, overrated bands that get overexposed, and it's it's fucking disgusting to me. Yeah, I've seen a couple of them. I, I actually saw a band that's just getting pushed by pushed by their record label. I don't want to say no names, kind of throwing on stage, talking no shit. Sure. But I, it was just, they were everywhere. I was like, oh, this band, this band, this band. And, you know, like, they were on tour with, you know, one of my friends. So I, I went, saw them, and it was a big show. And I was just looking at him like, what the fuck? And this was when we were on our off time. You know, like, I hate going to shows now because it's like you just look at that stage and you're like, that's my drug. And I want to do my drug real bad. And I see this guy up there doing my drug that's not doing as good a job at my drug as I can. I even looked and Don was, you know, Don and Huron with me. I was like, Don, you're better than their lead guitar player is. <laughs> and, he played, and he plays bass. I was like, that's bad. Like what the fuck? I was like, what the fuck is this? I this know. is the new thing. I know, and and you know what the scene? The, I don't know what it's like in in Dallas really anymore, and I'm sure it's still decent. Yeah. But I know like in San Antonio, uh, it, it it was it was rough, man. You know, I mean, I, I met it last time we saw each other in person. We met up in San Antonio, yeah. and I came and checked y'all out. And you know, we, we uh, you played at Corova, and I used to play yeah. there, and then I'd play at Bonds right next door. And both places are, are great, you know. They're, they're great to us. The great stage, good sound, but nobody was coming out to these fucking shows. Yeah. Nobody was coming out. The band that I was in in San Antonio, before I got in the band, they were opening up for like Amana Marth, Cannibal, and I'm like, yeah, fuck yeah, like that's the shows I want to play. I want the fucking crap because I want to win over some yeah. of those fans because I know yeah. I fucking will. You know, that's right up our, that's right in our vein of our style. And like, we, we just weren't getting those opportunities because Austin is so close to San Antonio. So many, many tours just say, fuck San Antonio. They go to Austin because it's a better yeah. draw. People are coming yeah, out to the shows out there. So, uh, anyway, I, I got a couple more things I want to pick your brain about on music and then we can definitely get into some UFC. You know, I'm always down to talk some UFC, but, uh, you know, we talked about Super Joint, you know, uh, uh, Phil Anselmo being one of my big heroes. Uh, we talked about uh, uh, Metallica, you, you know, the Orion Fest, and uh, briefly touched on, you know, Hatebreed and, and Killswitch, two of the greatest live metal bands ever. Um, and, oh. and yeah, Matt Matt Brown, who was who was supposed to be on uh, with us today, yeah, go check out. Uh, I don't know if you've heard. Uh, Jamie Joss has, you know, got those two solo records. On his last one, he actually put that track on there, uh, the I Am the Immortal. And that was a custom song for Matt Brown for his walkout music. Oh, shit. That's badass. It's fucking badass, man. Um, 
So, um, just to bring the audience in a little bit of background. So, like I said, we, we first met in uh, Fort Worth um, because uh, Rustin, uh, you know, the rest of soul, had put us on a show, opening up for y'all. And uh, I didn't know who you were really, but then we, we got to talking and I'm like, oh, these cats are from Michigan, you know, and my dad is from Michigan and my dad's side of the family is from Michigan. I spent a lot, a lot of time up there. So I understand the culture. It's a, the culture is almost, I mean, I would say it's like just as unique as Texas. And there's very few states that you can say that the culture is like so different than the rest of the country, you know, and a lot uh, of people put there for the work, but then the work left. I know. Oh, it's sad, man. It seems like the it seems like the economy is doing better though. Because last time I actually went up there for uh, God, it's been a while now, but I went up there in 2015 actually because Faith No More did their first U.S. tour in God knows how long, like 20 years, and it was oh. on my it was on my birthday, and there were no Texas tours, and they did I mean no Texas dates, and they did one on my birthday in Detroit. So I'm like, I'm. I'm going to visit my fucking dad for my birthday, and I'm going to yep. see Faith No More. And then, of course, they 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 added some Texas dates, but it was That's worth how it. it goes. Yeah, because I got I got to go down to I think it's the Fillmore. It's right across from the Tiger Stadium. Well, yeah, I want to call it Tiger Stadium, but yeah, Comerica Park, right? Yeah. Uh, but yeah, man, the gentrification yeah. of downtown Detroit is like night and day because it used to be like Sketchville times a hundred. Yes. Yeah. And now you, you had, can actually walk. And then you had Harpo's. Is Harpo's still around? Harpo's was one of the b- best oh, venues. Bro. Dude, we played Harpo's with Guar two years ago. Wow. And like, there was, I was just like, this place is still, like, is it got condemned yet? Like, I got, like, that was the first, one of the first shows. Like, I left my car. We, see, we, we went to see Cannibal Corpse when I was in high school. And I got my truck broke into. My truck was underneath a fucking light post. In a fucking KFC parking lot, still got broke into. Oh man, yeah that that fucking neighborhood over there by Harpo's yeah. is rough. I saw rough. I saw Seven Dust over there, and uh, you know, this is back in the the new metal era, you know. So all oh, these yeah. like corn like clones were you know open up. There was a band from Detroit though called, and I, I think I've asked you guys, and y'all y'all didn't know who they were, but. Uh, uh, it's kind of nostalgic if you go back and listen to it, but then it's also like, you're like, ah, like how the fuck could I, it, they're a Detroit band called Factory 81 and they, uh, yeah. the, at the height of their popularity, they, they went on tour with, um, Deftones, Incubus and Glassjaw. Talk Holy about, shit. how did they not make it? I know, right? Exactly. Cause I think, yeah, after that, well, I, you know what? After that is like, it was like right after that when like new metal just like took a shit. And Glassjaw yeah. pretty much faded into obscurity, and you oh. know Incubus still has so many great hits they can stare. And and, and Deftones of course evolved, and I, I always maintain oh. that Deftones were more than just uh, you know another like run of the mill new metal band. I think they're almost like like Tool in a way that you, you you almost can't put them in a they're in a class of their own. Um, but yeah, Factory eighty one and Seven Dust. But some of the bands that have have recorded filmed live um, concert DVDs there, Black Label Society, who we talked about earlier, Iggy, Iggy and the fucking Stooges, which is oh, shit. another, another yeah. fucking Michigan guy from Ypsilanti. You've got, so my, my point is during that time, I was there for when Hatebreed did it. Fuck yeah. Fuck yeah. Hatebreed did I'm one there. there. That's I yes. I, I own it. I'm so glad you said that. Such a, oh, were you? you so you were there as a fan, yeah. right? Oh yeah, man. Yeah, because that was like, 
Damn. Oh, yeah, man. Jamie's such a fucking amazing front, man. That was a fantastic uh, live DVD. And then there's been a few others, too. Um, so, but my point is, around that time when you had ICP, when you had Kid Rock and Eminem, like, really exploding, every, the joke was, you know, everybody thinks that Detroit is only good for white trash rap. And then and then bands like uh, like Taproot, and uh, like Factor 81 started coming out and then you had Black Dahlia Murder and then you had Y'all and it's like, hey man, you know what? Detroit is, 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 is fucking happening, man. Mm-hmm. We were trying to bring it back for a minute. <laughs> we worked hard. Anything, anything else, like anybody else like coming up in Detroit that's, you know, like, like on the metal scene or, or what's the metal scene even like there I- anymore? I don't, yeah, I don't fuck around because... Two things, like, it sucks going to shows now. Like, I just want to go back and I want to play. And then, like, you go and you see a band and you're like, oh, that's cool. And you start talking to them and then you realize they don't got fucking a shit for a music industry brain. You're like, "You're you're about to get ate up, kid. You ain't doing shit. Like, you try to give people, you know, try to let them know that it ain't. I'm like, hey, what do you do for a job? They're like, oh, I do music, man. I'm like, yeah, you're fucked. You know, they don't they don't got no drive to, you know, push themselves or how they're going to pay or how much their credit is or what kind of fucking LLC or S-Corp or what your ASFABs are. Or not ASFABs, your fucking, your, your, just your BMI or anything like that. They're just like, oh, I got no idea. And I, it's just all going to be done for me, right? I'm like, no, man. We had to pay out our fucking ass. Like, we spent the first two years paying for that shit. And, I mean, I'm like, yo, uh, the highest Battlecross debt got was $176,000. Jesus. $176,000 we got into debt. Jesus. I Think about it. Yeah. That we, got that, we got that bitch down to about $70,000 before we were like, all right, man, here on. Sorry, bud. We're just going to file bankruptcy. Wow. And it's it gets you, man. People just don't. No. And I'm, that's why I'm just like a fucking, I don't know, a cynic about it. Like, you want you want me to ruin your day? I'll ruin your day. Like, somebody, one of my buddies was like, hey, man, my buddy wants to do this and that. Can you come over and talk to him? I was like, you know, for, for a personal favor to you, sure, I'll come over. And by the time that I left that fucking house, that guy was ready to never play music again. <laughs> I know. I know. And it's, it, you talked about being in your mid thirties and that's when the cynicism really like kicks in, but it's, it's also being realistic too, man, especially cause yeah. things change, man. Your life changes, your status changes, you know, especially when you're a father, like Airline. everything <laughs> fucking changes, man. And it becomes, it becomes so much more, uh, it just becomes real, man. You know, shit gets real. Yeah. Wow. Like if you see a young band, like, young band ain't got shit to lose, ain't got shit to do, got their life to fuck up. I'm like, yo, man, get out there and fuck your life up, man. Go on tour. Get it. But you're trying to, like, talk about how you're going to, how this motherfucker's going to pay for you doing this and that motherfucker's going to pay for you doing that instead of you learning how you're going to pay to do it yourself. You're fucked. Like, yeah. we did shows to pay for other shit. Like, that's how we made, you know, once we got rolling, we played shows to pay for other shit. We were doing the shows for us just to do it. We were doing it. Well, this pays for that. That pays for that. That pays for that. 
What are we getting paid? Nothing. All right, cool. And that and that's what yeah, that's what people just cannot realize. You know, whenever people uh, whenever people see um, musicians, you know, it's you know, or or anybody that's in in show business of any kind, you know, you, like you're seeing them, you see them on a pedestal. You don't you don't see the behind the work. You don't see how the sausage is made. You don't you're not you don't fucking see the gritty dirty details, man. You don't see those fucking shows, man, that are just in the middle of fucking nowhere when you're playing in front of three fucking kids. You know, you, yeah. you, see, you see you see a band such as yourself playing on this big festival, playing on a, the Metallica festival, on tour with Hatebreed and Killswitch, very successful, very, very successful bands, and you go, man, they fucking made it. And I tell you, one of the last big shows that, that we did was uh, in May of 2012. Let me tell you about this week, one of the best weeks of my life. Cinco de Mayo, 2012, we did our album release party at Trees in Dallas. We opened up for God Forbid and Overkill. Now, if you're a metalhead, you know you know who the fuck Overkill is, and it's like, dude, I would have never imagined in a million years, like, holy fuck, Overkill. Like, dude, seriously, we're playing with them. And it was a huge, huge crowd. We probably sold more tickets than we had ever sold to to a show. So we had a, we had a good, sizable audience come just to see us. We released our our album. Um, we got a shout out from God forbid, you know. They they said you know you know that we were badass, yeah. and you know so you're like fucking hell yeah, man. They, you know they were on social media wearing our t-shirts a few days later, and you go, you know I, I think what happened with my yeah. band. Is like, and I don't know for sure because I guess we never really think, you know, how things can get weird because it's like, it's like you're like siblings, you know, you spend too much time together and things could just get awkward sometimes. And like, you get to the point where maybe there's issues that you don't even want to fucking address, you know, because you don't want to open up Pandora's box. And, but yep. I always felt like maybe some, some of the other guys in the band got discouraged because whenever we, we did that show, then like I said, it was, then May 8th was my birthday, and then I graduated college. So right in that same fucking week, May 5th through the 12th, was just like one of the greatest weeks of my life. And then my, I, I, I was probably the last person to realize that my band started to fall apart and dissolve on that night. And and I always wondered, it's like, did these, did these guys, were they expecting like we were going to come out here and hit a home run, which we did? But then all of a sudden we were going to get scooped up by some label or taken out on tour and things were just going to miraculously get fucking, uh, you know, peachy keen and rosy red. Fuck no. And I knew that shit. I knew better. I was like, no, this is the beginning. This is like the first fucking like brick in a, in a, in, a, in something that we're building. Like we laid the foundation, but we've only begun. Yeah. You, you just put the footing down, man. That's it. Nobody ever sees the footing. And then, and then, just I mean, again, and we'll it will end the the music conversation on this. But just tell me, like at that moment, because like when it happened for y'all, I mean, how, how fucking difficult is it to climb that mountain once you just get to that first that first real step? Oh man, fuck you! I was in a different band. There were two bands, uh, my band and Battlecross called IDK, and we were the big shit in Flint, and like. We were fucking way bigger than Battlecross. And Belda, our manager, was like, well, let me manage you. And I I had every, like, you ever, you've heard of the machine shop? Uh, yes. Right. So, Never been there, but I, I know that, of it. That's my home bar. Like, 
we in there. We got all all the good shows there. We we could fucking headline there. We brought in good. Anytime I even asked, Kevin would be like, "You want that day? Sure, okay, bud. We ain't got you know nothing nothing big's coming through, so you can have it." Uh, so like we are, you know, I was, she was like, well, let me manage you. And I was like, all right, I don't need no manager, but I guess, what are you going to do for us? And you know, she didn't know shit at the time. And it was like, everything I did, I, I would see two days later, Battlecross was on. I called her up. I'm like, you're just doing everything I'm doing. Like we got into this studio, Battlecross got into the studio and this Battlecross did that. I'm like, she's like, well, I'm just learning. But, you know, she learned with us and she grew just as much as we grew as a band when it came through. And, you know, that that helped us a lot too. have a manager that, you know, worked as hard as we could with us. And she was down for the struggles just as much as we were. And she had a good business mind. So she learned just as long as we did. But. And as soon as fucking she heard that, you know, the Battlecross singer was exit and out she's like gumby you gotta you gotta join battlecross you gotta join battlecross and my other band was going to shit because of fucking heroin so that was great and you know we all all four of us five of us at the time we knew it wasn't gonna be you know sunshine daisies and we were just this is what we're gonna do we're gonna put in a hard five years we all knew what we were signing up for. We all knew that we weren't going to make money. We all knew that we were just going to go out and live the dream. And hopefully we could build something to make money, but it just never happened to be able to pay a bill on time. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, de- I definitely do, man. Cause like I said, when, when I was just in, in the local scene, I could see that writing on the wall and it, it, it was because I, you know, I have so much life experience, man. And, and the other guys in my band were a little bit younger than me. And I feel like, I feel like when I first joined Bear Witness, I was in 2010 and, uh, it, actually all three, the last three bands that I've been in, I replaced the original singer because the original singer was a shit bag that just couldn't, <laughs> like when I showed up, when I showed up to every one of those auditions with a fucking PA and my own monitors, they were practically like, dude, you, you got the fucking yeah. job. I don't care what this guy, I don't care if he sounds like Kermit the fucking frog. <laughs> He's yeah, got like, the job. Yeah, that's awesome. You got a truck too? Oh shit, you can haul gear. <laughs> right. <laughs> I have a truck, I can haul gear. Yeah. You know, I think I was like, I think it was like 29 or 30, you know, and I had been in the military a long time and I had done, I just had a lot of life experience and, and like these guys were kind of more in their, like their early twenties. And I felt like, but you know how musicians are, man. And, and this is not, uh, this is not a knock against any of those guys. I love those guys, but musicians just have a different kind of a mind than, 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 you know, normal people who the fuck's normal, right? Yeah. But they just have a different yeah. mind because they're creative and they're, yeah. they're, they're moody. Uh, and they're just, you know, their e- egos get involved and, and we are all, you know, of course everybody blames lead singers for, for having egos, but it's, it's everybody, you know, everybody just has it. It manifests in its own way. And, uh, with musicians, man, you kind of like, sometimes like you just, it was like we were talking about earlier. It, it extends beyond just songwriting. Sometimes they just don't want to be fucking, told even if it's just good advice or constructive criticism or it's an idea they they don't want somebody else it's like like fuck off like they don't want to hear somebody telling them something that might be a better idea yep (laughs) definitely 
fuck. You, you, sometimes I'm, I was actually like hoping that the producer would be like, that's not a good idea. But, but then they were like, oh, yeah, that was awesome. I'm like, oh, man, this sucks. <laughs> or some producer comes through and it's like, hey, man, don't do that. And you're just like, you're sitting over the corner like, yes, I won that argument without even having to fight it. Yeah, dude. And so, yeah, just last thing. So, like, when we were recording the album with Sterling, like I said, this guy is the consummate professional, you know, and I'm, when I'm in the vocal booth, there's certain things that, like, that I want to do or, you know, and I'm, I'm hoping, like, I'll, somebody, either the band, somebody in the band or, you know, him will co-sign with kind of what I'm thinking and, mm-hmm. and, and, and it'll let me, like, you know, and it'll keep me from trying to do, you know, some crazy shit or some stupid shit. Cause, I mean, you know how bad, like, like, you know, just playing a show or just practicing, like if you warm up properly and your 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 throat gets used to doing it, but if you yeah. fucking run your throat too hard, your voice too hard doing metal yeah. music, it you can fuck you up really bad. Yep, and then you're done. You can't you can't get back. Nah, you gotta wait you just gotta was, wait it out and hope you don't get an infection and, and get worse. Yep. Oh, <laughs> it was good. The, the last album we did, like Jason was like, Get the fuck out of here. He was like, It's just me and him in here. Get out. If we wanted you to come in, we'd be like, hey, you can come in and check this out. Give me what you think. But other than that, it was like, yo, hit the fucking bricks. Remember how you were like, no, I don't need you to know, you to tell me how to do that part. I'm like, yo, <laughs> yo get the fuck out. Let me hear you scream. All right, shut up. Leave. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Call you. You don't come here. It's the same thing, dude. Exactly. Because I would have, I, I would be in there sometimes, and like my my throat was like almost at its fucking end of the rope, dude. And like, and like you know, uh, you know, you get one motherfucker in the in the, in the it was back in the booth with with Sterling. It would be like like ah, oh, I don't know, man. He he needs to do that one again. He needs to do that. And then and then like like Sterling, and then like another person from the band, would be like nah, dude, he nailed that one. Fuck that. That one was good. That was perfect. Like, yeah. I ain't doing that shit again. Fuck that. Yeah, I don't know if I can do it again. Thanks. <laughs> oh, man, dude. So, yeah, uh, when, when they did their music in the studio, uh, the drummer uh, laid his tracks first, and then afterwards he popped fucking bottles. He popped a bottle of Crown Royal in the studio and started getting wasted. And, uh, and then whenever Peyton, our guitar player, went in there to lay down his tracks, he was like, "Oh, now there was a, there was there was a couple songs where the, the drums were just a little off," and he was like, "Nah, that ain't that ain't right, man. That ain't right. You're gonna have to do that shit again." Well, by this time, John, our drummer, was too fucking drunk, but we forced him back in there, dude, and he just couldn't nail. I remember one day there was just one part he just couldn't nail because the timing, you know, with metal drumming, like the timing yep. has to be fucking. Per- it's like a fraction of a second, you know. Yep. It, it can ruin the whole song. <laughs> and we were just he yeah. did it like he did it like 50 times in a row dude and every time dude we all just look at each other was like ah oh, nope still didn't get it still didn't still get wasn't it. there ah okay ufc 229 conor mcgregor <laughs> khabib Nurmagomedov. i was there you know i live in las oh, vegas what? so i was absolutely i was there for the fight I was there for everything that happened all week. I went to uh, the open workouts on Wednesday. I went to the press conference on Thursday. I went to the uh, public weigh-ins on Friday, and then I went to the fight. So, got a ton of content, ton of footage, which y'all can check out on MMASoldier.net. It's also on the Facebook page, on my Twitter, at MMASoldier138, as you can see here on my banner with... Tom, Tom Villicchio, my old co-host as the, uh, 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 as the, uh, the at symbol. So, 
did you get a chance to to watch? I mean, certainly you've heard about the aftermath. I, I lost twenty bucks on McGregor. You lo- I lost forty on McGregor, but they had him as an underdog, and I felt like you know plus one fifty. I felt like that was easy money. I uh, I knew you know I knew Khabib was a bad motherfucker, but I I underestimated his ability to destroy Connor. Yeah, and maul him the way that he did. So, dude, it was sad. I was like, oh no, he came back to get his ass whooped like that. Where did you watch the fight? Uh, actually, my buddy had a diaper party, and uh, we were all over there. And I was like, "Hey, man, we're we gonna watch the fight." We we're like, "He's like, oh shit, yeah, we'll get it." And so we we got it, and we watched, and it was actually a awesome fucking night. I we watched the whole fucking thing. Badass. We watched the balls and pop and everything. What's that? <laughs> the internet station. That guy, Derek Lewis. Yeah, yeah. He that guy is a sensation now. Oh, he's Just awesome. Oh, well, yeah. It's because he knocked the Russian motherfucker out. It's because his afterward, afterward fucking interview lit the fucking internet up. Oh, bro, he is he is an absolute, uh, his nickname is the Black Beast, but he is an absolute beast in the octagon, but also on social media. He's a very funny yeah. dude. He, he's a trip. I follow him on Instagram now. <laughs> Great. I heard that his I heard that his Instagram blew up like got a shit ton of followers after that. And I was like, that's not the first time. Uh, another time he knocked out uh, uh he knocked out Travis Brown and he was like uh he said that uh, it was because he had to take a shit. He was like, I had to I had to get him out of there, man. I you know I gotta I gotta I gotta fucking take a doo doo or something <laughs> something like that. Oh, but that takes all, man. It's not just fighting. Did you hear, though, he is fighting at Madison Square Garden for the heavyweight title. They just announced that yesterday. He's going to be fighting Daniel it's Cormier. November. Yeah. That, that's, that's some crazy shit. You just got to, I mean, that fucking Russian beat his ass. Like, let's not, let's not pull punches. That guy fucked him up, and he won on a fucking Hail Mary. Yeah. I mean, he had some good moments. He had some good moments, but you're right. I mean, especially when I was there live, you know, because you know, you every every time there's a a spike in action, you really get, you know, the the crowd gets riled up. And there were a few times where I thought, shit, man, Derek might get finished right here. Yeah, I thought he was done a couple times. I was like, oh shit! But he he weathered through it, and it was funny. I was watching like one of his off. His, his recaps, and he's like, no, nah, man, he just punched me in my eye. I couldn't see. He punched or poked me. I was like, damn. <laughs> so you, so you were, kind of you're, you're watching it on, on television, so you're getting the uh, the broadcast, and so you're getting the commentary. So, like, what was I, – I still haven't had a chance to watch it back. So, what, I mean, what were the announcers saying, like, during during that fight? And uh, which one for that guy? Oh, fuck, man. I, we, me and my boys were having a party, so we uh, were we were we were our own commentary. But I mean, you listen to Joe. I mean, fuck, man. They had Joe Rogan fucking talking shit. I love that guy. I oh, listen yeah. to his podcasts. I'm, yeah, that guy, he's the shit. He's great. He's, doing, he's living the dream. He's he's but, great. Uh, yeah, but it was it was just good. I mean, they they announced it well and they had it fair. They weren't you know this guy's this and that guy's that, but they were like. He's getting his ass beat. Really? You know? See, that's that's what I was getting at. Like, did they actually like? And then I know, like, I, I would think that even though like y'all were partying, like maybe like you were, were, were y'all silent during like the Conor? Because I know with, with the Conor McGregor fight, I was like on the edge of my seat the whole time. Like, oh, like, shit. oh we were fucking, we were balls deep. Oh man, because I'm thinking like 
second round especially, I was like, oh man, he's about to get fucking finished here. Like, like he could get finished. Yeah. It was it was a ten eight round, and then in the, in the third, he came back and he started he started really like getting his range yeah. and letting go, and Khabib was, was 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 taking it and. Actually, going back to the second round, the, the moment when Khabib dropped him, it was like, "Holy fuck!" Not only, yeah. not only can he stand with this guy, he dropped him. Are you shitting me? Yep. Yeah, he fuck, he dropped him. I was like, "Fuck!" I can't believe that happened. I thought he wasn't supposed to do that. Right, on the feet of, of all things, but yeah. his striking is uh, is underrated. I've always thought that, but. I don't know, man. Like, I don't know if you ever saw the Eddie Alvarez. It's like one of the greatest highlight reels when Conor McGregor just pieced up Eddie Alvarez at Madison Square Garden whenever he won the uh, the lightweight title and became a two-weight champion. First person to do that in the UFC. And I thought, you know, hey, we're probably going to see something similar to that. But uh, now I guess we know how badass Khabib really is. But he's in a little bit of trouble, so we ain't going to see him for, for a minute. What's probably. going on with that? Has he still got his purse held? Because you're all over that. I sure am. I sure fucking am. As a matter of fact, let me just give you all an update here. I went, uh, th- those of you who follow me on social media may have seen, I went down to the Nevada State Athletic Commission to try to get some answers myself in person. Um, I got a, I got a statement from the INSAC, which didn't, didn't say jack shit. ESPN actually ended up getting an exclusive. Uh, well, that's what happens when you're ESPN. And so they, uh, they said that both of these guys are, are actually going to end up getting fine. But yeah, man, I'm going down on the 24th. That's, uh, the 24th of October is the next, uh, public Nevada State Athletic Commission, uh, meeting. And I was told that, you know, people can go in there and at the beginning they'll open it up for questioning. So I'm definitely going and then I'm going to find out when Khabib's hearing is. And I'm also going to try to attend that. But yes, as of right now, they're holding $2 million of his money. What did Connor do? Was he cheating? No. Or some shit? No. So what Connor did was after Khabib jumped over the fence, um, you know, a brawl ensued. And Connor, yeah, he he threw some punches at Khabib's uh, cornerman. You know, and a lot of people are saying, oh, well, he's complicit because he threw the first punch, you know, in the octagon. But it's like, well, yeah a brawl just fucking broke out. And whenever those guys that he knows are hostile towards him, they're beating up his teammate in the crowd. And then they, they jump into the cage. So he starts swipe. He starts swinging at them. But then one of Khabib's fucking cornermen jumps in and goes up behind, runs up behind Connor and yeah. starts hitting him. So, I mean, it's like, yeah, Connor hit some dudes, but I mean, look like self-defense. If you ask me, they were coming at his space. What the fuck? It's not like he went. He was sitting over on the octagon, knocked the fuck out. Yeah, I mean he. Ba- so, yeah, and then like, hey man, go oh, fuck these guys up. No, I just got fucking tapped. Yeah. Fuck. Yeah, he he stood up and he like at that time he had his back up against the cage and then uh you know some guys jumped in they, they fucking like three of them they they jumped in the cage and fucking jumped his ass. <laughs> so what are you gonna do? Yeah. But they they're gonna find him apparently. That's what they told ESPN. Um, and it's, according to the regulations, it looks like they might be able to keep all the fucking his money, which is just fucking insane to me. Hunters or Khabib's? Or both? Khabib's. No, Khabib's money. They might be able to keep all of it. But, I mean, it's weird. Like, the, the legalese in their regulations are so fucked up. I mean, you, you need fucking three lawyers to decipher the shit. I mean, I, I'm too well, fucking – I'm too dumb know, to read I'm it. Also, I'm fucking they, – they, they should keep that motherfucker's money. You know, you go and assault motherfuckers that aren't on contract to be assaulted. You're a criminal. 
you I'm sorry, but you you're in a land of loss here, bro, and you that's assault, brother. You can't assault the motherfucker just because you don't like him. Yeah. And the, those guys that fucking jumped in the, in the fucking crowd for Connor, those guys never need to see an octagon again. You know, fuck yeah. you. You created a, you know, fuck the dude that fucking was with Connor that was got arrested in New York. That guy should never fucking see the, the octagon again. Connor, the only reason he should is because he got enough money to pay for it to get legalized out. Yeah, you know? exactly. Don't give a shit about that million dollar in his purse. He don't give a fuck. I'm actually fucking. I'm amazed. That's why I put money on him. Because I was like, this guy has a hundred million dollars in the fucking bank. He got a beautiful wife, a beautiful fucking kid. Why the fuck is he gonna want to ruin a fucking close head injury to go fucking beat some guy's ass? He's doing it because he loves it. And I was like, you know, that might get him a fucking W. Yeah, but no. It, he always he always comes to win, and he's one of those few guys, and he doesn't actually get enough credit for for this, like. Number one, he'll fight anybody. I mean, you know, and even on short notice. And, uh, you know, Chael Sonnen, I'm a huge fan of. I talked to him yesterday on the Bellator conference call. And uh, on that conference call, he was he was actually talking about some of the same shit he's been talking about on his podcast. If you want to listen to a good MMA podcast, Chael, I think, has the best one out there. Um, but yeah. anyway, he, he was talking about how he's like, man, he's like, when I started doing this shit, there were no weight classes. You weren't promised fucking anything. And you, you know, you didn't back out of a fight. You didn't even know who you were fighting till you got there. And you damn sure yeah. didn't pull out. And like, and, and I respect Connor for that because like when he was supposed to fight Jose Aldo for the title, um, the first time around and, and he pulled out and then they said, well, we're going to throw in Chad Mendez, who's a really, really fucking strong wrestler and he's a, and he's got knockout power. Connor was like, okay. And, and it's even in a, a documentary, like it's on Netflix. It's called the Notorious One or some shit. But it's like, oh, it, it's like he literally, he literally, they show it on video when he was notified, and he was just like, I don't give a fuck. And he he had like torn his fucking MCL or some shit, and they showed all that. So like all of that yeah. was not bullshit. That was real. That really happened. You know, it wasn't like some fucking thing like, you know, where he came out later and said, well, you know, I could have pulled out. No, he never fucking said that. He just fucking showed up. Didn't tell anybody in public about the backstory, you know. And that's and props that fucker. Yeah, and he shows up to fucking win every time. He he shows up to win, even though you know Khabib whooped his ass. But dude, he was exhausted, man. He he tried to win all the way up until he fucking got finished, man. And that's why, like, when you get these loudmouths like Michael Bisbing saying, "Well, he fucking gave up," well, motherfucker, we've seen you do the same shit. So come on, man. Yep. Did you watch uh, Joe Rogan's podcast with uh, um, McGregor's uh, with his coach, Coach Kavanaugh? Yeah. Yep. No, I, I hadn't had a chance to check it out yet. Is it good? Dude, it was great. Oh, hold on one second. I gotta move my car. No problem. Yeah, man. So uh, we can get into some of the other fights as well. I mean, like I said, I was there, and, and as you mentioned, you watched the entire thing. A couple of folks um, that train over at Extreme Couture, where I train at, uh, were on the card, Gray Maynard being one of them. Gray Maynard, about 10 years ago, uh, he was like the baddest motherfucker in the UFC lightweight division. He was undefeated. Um, at the time, at, at the time, he was like the only guy to ever uh, beat Frankie Edgar. They had a, a good rivalry. Um, you know, they fought to a draw. 
then Frankie Edgar came back in the next fight and, and knocked his ass out, and he was never the same since. Um, so I interviewed him last week before the fight. I thought it was a good matchup for him. Of course, he got in there and got got mangled pretty bad. He got he got hit with a head kick that literally, like he got kicked in, like in the basically in the back of the head, the side of the head, and it took him off his feet like like he like basically face planted. Uh, Gray Maynard and Nick Lance. It was one of like the fight pass prelims, and then. Uh, there, I don't know if you saw the one with. Uh, there was a, quite a few girl fights. Uh, but there was the one with the, uh, the hot Russian girl, uh, Yana Kunitskaya. wasn't the greatest fight, but she did get the W. That's another uh, another girl from uh, Extreme Couture. So I talked to their coach, and I posted that interview. And you can find that on MMAsoldier.net. Also, Rodney James One Thirty Eight on YouTube. And uh, shit, we talked about Derek Lewis, a national treasure from Houston, Texas. Now he's fighting for the title. Uh, what? Oh God! How could we do? We have to talk about Tony Ferguson, Andy Pettis. I can't wait to rewatch that fight because it's seen it live. It's just you can't really take it all in. Oh, it's just yeah. so much adrenaline. But uh, that was just nasty, man. Just in one second you're watching it, everything's all right, and the next second everybody's covered in blood. It's yeah. like holy shit! Where did that hat? Where did that come from? I was watching. I was like, where's all the blood coming from? That was great. High flying, fucking throw some crazy moves in. Entertaining. Yeah, so Tony Ferguson is not exactly a household name, but I'll tell you a little bit about him so that, you know, you'll definitely want to check him out next time. He, he, he's on in like an insane, he's on like an 11 fight win streak. Um, I mean, it's just, he, he's beaten some of the very best guys in the sport. And. Uh, he was supposed to fight Khabib back at, whenever Connor did all that crazy shit in Brooklyn. Uh, that was actually originally supposed to be Tony Ferguson versus Khabib, uh, because Tony was the interim champion and they were supposed to, uh, fight for the interim title, which really doesn't make sense because Connor was still out. Um, and man, he just, you know, he got injured and he just, you know, he's constantly getting screwed over because Khabib, or Tony has, has pulled out of every single fight they've been matched up in. But 11-fight win streak in that division is unheard of. I can't imagine that when Khabib, the dust settles, I can't imagine that he would have any other opponent besides Tony Ferguson. But then again, I would not be surprised to see Khabib get stripped of the title and maybe see Tony yep. and someone else fight for the title. It's, I mean, it wouldn't be unheard of. Do you think they're going to have a rematch? That's okay. Great, great question, man. And and I don't want to keep you forever, so we probably will end it on this note, man. That you know, that's a great question. So I saw a quote from Dana White yesterday. Uh, I think he was on some show, maybe ESPN or something like this, and he said that Connor has already been contacting him about a rematch. Uh, I know yeah. Connor has not really broken the silence, other than really just saying uh, in a tweet. You know, he said, "Good knock. Uh, look forward to the rematch" or something like that. I don't think there's anybody in the world besides Connor that's interested in that because uh, judging by the pulse of you know MMA social media, MMA Twitter, uh, and, and 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 quite frankly, just the people I've talked to, you know, people fans, uh, you know, that I've talked to, you know, you, uh, you know, other people who cover the sport, it's just not warranted, man. When you get your ass whooped that bad, it's like no, man, you got to come back. I think. With uh, Nate Diaz, his fight just fell through with Dustin Poirier. I think they're going to shoot for the Nate Diaz trilogy. However, if if Connor is getting penalized by the uh, Athletic Commission as well, 
I guess we're going to have to end up seeing where, where that falls because he, you know, they they might suspend him and keep him out until uh, next year. So who knows? But a rematch. Well, here's uh, my two cents, man. Go ahead. Conor McGregor's got the money. He's got the 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 star appeal. He's going to do what he wants to do. Dana White's going to do what Conor McGregor wants to do. I, I right? think you're right. I think you're right. Yeah. I mean. Where the money goes is where everybody else follows. And Conor McGregor's got the money. He's got the mouth. He's going to get the only thing that probably Conor McGregor wants is the only thing you're going to make Conor McGregor do is what Conor McGregor wants to fucking do. That's it. If he wants to fight him, he's not going to take this little fucking bone over here. He's got $100 million in the bank. He don't need to take no more head trauma. He's not into fighting just to fucking do this fight over here, that fight over here. Fuck, what does it sound like? He might be fighting Mayweather, too. Who knows? They've, yeah, there have been discussions of that. And that, I tell you, if I had to choose between the Khabib rematch and the Mayweather rematch, Khabib... All day, please. I do not. I will not fall for that fucking boxing. That I will not fall for that again. It was a good fight. Don't get me wrong. It was a great fight. However, we know he ain't gonna beat Mayweather. So let's. Yeah, please don't let that one happen. Look at you, Kyle Gumby Gunther, lead singer, Battle Cross, dropping some knowledge and some wisdom on the MMA Soldier uh, podcast. Actually. Business to fight business. It's all business. Money make the world go round. Cream, cash rules, everything around me. I love it, man. I love it. We'll call this one the battle cast. Because, listen, I, you know, I, when I was trying to think of names uh, for this, and I, I, I talked about this earlier with Battlecross, how y'all branded all, all, all these different products, which I thought was brilliant, which a lot of bands just really don't have the savvy to do, like... You know, your, your battle glass, for example. And it's like when I was trying to think of names for my podcast, I, I was I actually considered battle cast because I, di- I, I didn't think about battle yeah. cross at all because I, I was thinking like military, you know, MMA fighting yeah. battle cast. And then I thought about it. I was like, ah, no, because then it's it almost sounds like I'm ripping off. Battle, uh, battle cross, but what I actually ended up doing was keeping the name that I, I've always used, which kind of is, it's not much, as much of a ripoff as a tribute to Pantera, and that is five minutes alone. So I call it five minutes alone uh-uh. because a, a cage fighting round is five minutes. So it's five minutes alone with Roger yep. James. And then on Sundays, I do a recap show. If there's an event over the weekend, I do a recap show and I call it the Bloody Sabbath. Not Sabbath Bloody Sabbath. <laughs> Just the bloody Sabbath. So yep. it's 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 a tribute to metal and to combat and combat sports. And that's why we had you. You, sir, are an MMA soldier. Thanks, bro. You too, man. Dude. Hey, are you fighting too? We'll see. I just uh here, let me show you this. I just picked I up like post up earlier. Yeah, I also went and picked up uh this little guy right here. This is a professional uh, uh, license application for the state of Nevada. So who knows? I don't have anything lined up, but I definitely am keeping my ear to the ground, trying to take something that makes sense. Um, there was a little something that had had come up, which would have been would have been suicide for me, but I was going to do it anyway. But uh, I talked to Ryan Couture, my you know my main MMA coach. He wasn't too keen on the idea. Plus, I think it 
he's fighting in Israel, and I think he's literally fighting like right around that same time, maybe even the same weekend. So, and there's oh, too shit. short a time to get ready for. So, I, I mean, if I can't have him there, then it wouldn't make any sense. I definitely wouldn't do it. Um, yeah. But I thank you, man. I thank you so much for uh, for for coming on today, and I look forward to speaking with you again, especially next time we get to you know hang out in person. Word. It'll be a while, bro. All right, for MMASoldier.net, I'm Rodney James, signing off.